Hello, you're listening to Thought Starters, a podcast on the business of creativity recorded at the pod at White City Place. I'm Ellie Stuhler. Some of the most esteemed and enduring brands are those that build in with their customers an emotional connection. They give us more than just practical function. A few of those seem to create their own worlds and come to represent a lifestyle and a system of values. One of those brands is Rafa, the cycling sportswear company founded in 2004. Now with a global following, thanks to a biannual magazine, the International Rafa Cycling Club, its in-store cafes, and a collaboration with Paul Smith. Graphic identity and art direction have played a huge part in keeping all of this coherent and consistent. After all, adding to or changing any part of a brand is delicate business. Up for discussion today, two people who are helping to nudge and navigate Rafa into a new iteration. Let's meet our two conversationalists. So I'm Jack Saunders. I'm the art director at Rafa, which is a cycling apparel brand based in London. And I've been there for about seven and a half years now. I'm Paul Barnes. I'm a partner in commercial type. Um, We are a type foundry, so we make typefaces for various brands. There's two partners, as myself in London and my partner Christian Schwartz in New York. So you have an office in New York and we do fonts for brands and companies. Jack Saunders has been an art director at Rafa since 2014, having worked with the brand since 2011 and is himself an amateur cyclist. Paul Barnes is a graphic designer specializing in the fields of lettering, typography, type design and publication design. Working for Roger Black in New York, he was involved in the redesigns of Newsweek, American and British Esquire, and Foreign Affairs. He later became the art director of the music magazine Spin, and he's also the co-founder of Commercial Type. Let's meet our two conversationalists. I mean, the thing is, how do we know each other? Good question. Firstly, I guess you were introduced to Rafa via a good friend of mine, Alton Coyle, I imagine, and that must have been a good few years ago. And then you came in and we started talking about fonts, didn't we? Which yeah, would have been sure. a, sh- a shared kind of interest. And we've subsequently turned that into a bit of an opportunity for us to, to work together on a project to um, hopefully overhaul our entire set of brand fonts. Yeah, sure. Which is a tremendously exciting project to kind of kickstart, and I'm very fortuitous to have managed to find somebody with the experience that you have, because it's something that I've certainly not done before. Yeah, I mean, you can't show blushing in a podcast, but I'm <laughs> blushing from your compliments. But I mean, we both we're both fans of designers, but we're also big fans of cycling. I mean, when I first met Alton, Alton was like, "Oh, you're a fan of cycling," mm. and that's kind of I think important to understand the kind of vocabulary of cycling when you're working for someone like Rafa. Um, but we've also kind of bonded over the various things, aren't we? We're both from the, the Midlands. Yeah, uh, I'm sure the podcast listeners have kind of figured that out to their kind of uh, yeah, disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's a kind of a tradition in, in the Midlands of kind of things like craft, which I think is reflected in graphic design and, and type design and, and also cycling, a lot of cycling industry always in the Midlands, obviously Rally up in Nottingham, but also Brooks. all those, yeah, Brooks and, of course, Reynolds down in Tisley, Birmingham. So we kind of tie into that. But but it's interesting from your kind of perspective, when I came into the projects and you've been using these two fonts for a long time, Caslon and uh, Trey Gothic, 
And of course, Caslon is kind of the traditional English font. Mm-hmm. And Caslon, like the other great type designer from Britain, John Baskerville. Another Brummie. They're both from the Midlands, so yeah. it's a nice little tie in, in there. But I mean, how, how did you get interested in cycling? Well, I guess um, I've been a rafa now for about seven and a half years, but I was certainly a cyclist before I joined. Um, I guess my story is more one of necessity. I think if you graduate as a graphic designer, the money doesn't come flowing in too quickly. So the bike is definitely uh, the first mode of transport. (laughs) So I think up in Manchester, I managed to get myself an old beater of a bike to get to and from work back then. And subsequently started riding it a bit further day by day, not to... I mean, the office didn't move further away and it's just at the weekends I started to, yeah, sure, to, to explore sure. a little bit further and eventually kind of got riding sort of what I thought back then was an incredibly long distance so I, I rode 50 kilometres from Chalton in Manchester to Buxton very picturesque town in the Peak District and thought that it was possibly the furthest anyone had ever ridden um, <laughs> and this is only about 12 years ago it's not, is it? It's not very far by bike. No, it's not. <laughs> we can ride further than that. We can, we can ride and we ride and ride. I mean, I think it's interesting because there's a lot of designers and graphic designers who are into cycling for kind of multiple reasons. You know, the way that we basically sit at desks all day inside and it's just a nice way to go out and explore the world. Mm. You see it in a certain way. But there's no doubt, and Rafa's probably like a very good example of this, that cycling has a kind of aesthetic... Mm. that comes through through design. And, I mean, Rafa is kind of like the one that kind of tapped into, I think, the historical graphic style mm. of cycling. The best, and now we were talking earlier, weren't we, about how Rafa's kind of redefined, I guess, the landscape of aesthetics in A cycling. little bit, yeah. I think well, perhaps more than a little bit, but that's what drew me to working there, I think, in the first place. I mean, cycling... The journey started off as it being just something that was an activity. And then, I mean, as a designer like yourself, you're always looking for brands that kind of speak to you. Yeah, yeah. That might kind of do something in a way that kind of appeals to your kind of sensibilities. And Rafa definitely had had that. So I think I stumbled across them via some good friends and um, started a journey there. You know, I essentially got a job there back, back seven and a half years ago. And um, I think the aesthetic that they had and, and still have, and one that we're discussing how much we can uh, change it or not <laughs> change it. Exactly, is the, is the yeah, com- sure. conversation that we're having is um, what drew me in uh, initially. And it is a fantastically aesthetic sort of sport, isn't it? And the photography, the kit design, the, the people, the characters, all of that is tremendously visually rich, isn't it? Um, yeah. And... I think um, that's why it's it's brilliant to work with somebody that gets the sport. I think that's so important for me to be able to have conversations around things as uh, kind of esoteric as typefaces. Yeah, sure, sure. With somebody that can also... So we can talk about kind of micro details and very kind of subtle. But that's why it's really, really good to work with people that understand the sport like you because we can kind of talk about... Yeah, the sport and the details and all of that lovely visual culture, and yeah. then talk the nitty gritty about yeah, typefaces, which is sure. absolutely your your bag. Yeah, I mean it's nice. I think for us as commercial type, when we actually work for clients where we kind of really like, and I say product or whatever, or you feel something more about it. Obviously, we sell to huge numbers of different people and make typefaces to lots of different people. 
and and that's always interesting but when you actually really care about something it's something else i mean it can also be sometimes slightly different in that sometimes when you see the inside of a machine it can be slightly depressing are you you disappointed by rafa no not at all not (laughs) at all it's kind of like coming into a candy store every time i come in and you've got all these things up and you've got all the imagery up and you know that you can actually talk to someone about the ride you did on sunday and they won't look bored because <laughs> obviously you know the thing about cycling is you're always talking about stuff oh, i'm training for this i'm doing that and most people yeah. just glaze over after a minute but when i'm over there i can talk about strava segments and and what bike i have and what gearing i have and all these things for hours and hours and everyone actually looks interested and are you, cares are you billing for those hours no 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 no, no. <laughs> uh, otherwise, otherwise we'd never get this project on but i mean maybe we should talk a bit more about Rafa. I mean, how old are Rafa now? It seems like it's always been around, but is it 15, 20 years old? I can't remember when it's, it started. It's 14 years old now. 14 um, 2004. I guess it's a trick, isn't it, that it feels like it's been around, around was, longer? Yeah. Um, that was always its thing, wasn't it? It yeah. looked like it was an established thing before it. It was something that, I mean, I remember very acutely going to uh, first first day or in fact uh, interview stage turning up and thinking that the company had been around for a lot longer yeah, and sure. kind of doing my research before I turned up and figuring out it hadn't been around I was quite surprised um, when I started there were sort of 30 odd people there which is a terribly small company um, I was almost worried that it wouldn't be around and <laughs> yeah, sure. wasn't even sure whether to take the job there because I didn't think that it was going to be necessarily a company that was going to be around forever because it was such a small kind of niche if cycling felt really small even seven years ago to me the industry over the last seven ten years particularly in london has um has excelled and it's become much more of a kind of popular sport to talk about and uh it's something you can actually have a pub conversation about cycling now which i feel didn't exist because i mean um, raf is older than team sky but it's kind of yeah, been kind of similar, and, and the Olympics with and, yeah, the Olympics. and Bradley Wiggins and, and those sorts of moments that happened over the last five, six years have certainly kind of propelled it forwards. So yeah, it's it's not been around for a huge amount of time. It's changed, I think, the industry uh, a, a fair amount through basically injecting a bit of design thinking. I think, um, and a bit of um, you know, Simon, who founded it, comes from a, a brand background. Yeah. And he uh, worked initially with um, a creative director called Luke Skybler, who essentially set the set the vision and the look and feel of the brand back in 2004. And it was very different to anything else that was on the market back then. It was um, a company that kind of looked back at the sport and, and cherry-picked and found some of those glorious moments in terms of kit yeah. design, typography, photography particularly, and really showed the best of the sport and showed it in a way that I think the sport had forgotten how to show itself. Well, I think sometimes, I mean, a lot of cycling, you know, you look at pro cycling and going back to the 80s when I first got interested in it, you look at a lot of the shirts, the jerseys, that Mm. just were horrible things. But there was definitely a few teams that had this kind of aesthetic. And I think Rafa's been very good at that. I mean, it wouldn't be unfair to call Rafa almost a lifestyle brand you know, in terms of a kind of almost a complete vision of everything now, you know, you can go on a, a Rafa tour and, and everything and it's all done mm. super, super, super well, you know, and I mean, it's also, it's easy to make a brand with all those things we're saying in terms of the aesthetics, but then actually the product 
living up to those expectations and the kind of I remember the first time I put on a pair of Rafa bib shorts and they felt like <laughs> velvet I think it is did make me a better rider I have to say which is always what you hope cycling kit will do or the bike will do but it didn't but it was just you know it, it felt different when it first came out I thought people wearing it you felt very I don't know it just felt dare I use that word classy hmm. but you're right it's it's all part of a bigger movement in a sense Rafa Rafa's kind of at the peak of that movement which doesn't seem to be slowing down but I think what's interesting also about Rafa, you know, is that cycling has traditionally been a male sport. We've had fantastic lady riders and, and in the sport for decades, but it's been a predominantly male sport. But Rafa seems to be part of that whole thing about women cycling, hmm. empowering that. It's particularly telling that we've... I mean, that's. it's nice to think that that's an outward kind of um, observation, Um I think it's definitely somebody who works there day to day. It's certainly um, really pushed at the centre of what we do now. And I think the women's sport doesn't get anywhere near the coverage the men's sport does. But we're quite proactive in terms of supporting that side. So uh, the only professional team that we support at the moment is a, a women's uh, professional team, Canyon Shram. Yeah. And then we've got a number of other kind of activities, Women's 100, that we run every summer that's a sort of yeah. mass participation event and yeah I mean it does it de- absolutely deserves to be absolutely part of the the, the full picture um, and something we're yeah really actively involved in you're listening to thought starters recorded at the pod at white city place in conversation today are rafa art director jack saunders and commercial type co-founder paul barnes So I guess we've been working together for only um, maybe sort of four months specifically, but um, I'm interested to know what you've been working on elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we do lots of different projects, obviously quite a lot of them you can't talk about when you're doing it, but we just had the Guardian relaunched a few months back where we did all the typefaces and it's just won a DNAD award, which is good so I mean that's one of the things we always did is newspapers because that's where we really started mm. uh, Christian and I first worked together a long long time ago 2003 on the Guardian when it was the famous famous Berliner redesign that happened in 2005 where we worked with a, a, their creative director Mark Porter but you know the, in that one of the things that kind of defined the new aesthetic of the Guardian was its typography and when you saw those typefaces around, people always knew it was The Guardian. You didn't actually have to say, this is The Guardian. You could just set it in the typefaces and people would know. Obviously, the way that you use typefaces helps you do it. And it's the same at what we're doing at Rafa. The typefaces are really important to it, but it's a kind of combination of things. So the way you set things so most of your stuff often is centered mm. the kind of colors you use and the kind of sizes you use and it's very tastefully done and gradually it builds up so you don't have to keep on stamping and telling people this is this is Rafa so that's what we try to do when we do kind of custom typefaces I mean a lot of the time I have to be honest most people come to us and say we want a custom typeface and the first thing I always say to them is you don't need a custom typeface there's thousands and millions of, of type, good typefaces out there it's just the maybe the way you use it mm. 
So it's often, you know, we kind of go to making something specifically for someone, not as a last resort, but we kind of think about are there other typefaces you could use that would work just as well as the ones you, you know, as a custom one. And not actually, and then often they do that. I mean, obviously, people also sometimes think, I want a custom typeface without any idea of how much it involves. Might Well, involves or ultimately how much it costs. And so, you know, they might have a heart attack when they go, oh, God, I thought it wasn't going to cost that mm. that much. So, you know, it's it's we don't do as many custom projects as you think. But Has that, that always been at the heart of what commercial type have offered, sort of bespoke fonts for other companies, brands, or as it was it born of um, a self-expression and the, the wish to kind of create your own suite of fonts? Well, no, I mean... When Christian and I, Christian's American, when we started working together on The Guardian, we always kept the rights to The Guardian typeface. We didn't sell them to The Guardian for lots of different reasons. And we kind of, after when, when it came out of exclusivity, we were like, well, what do we do with these typefaces? Kind of like our, our joint child. We've got custody back of our child. What are we going to do with it? And so we went through all the various channels of where you could sell it. And the last one was, let's set up a company. And like many people who set up companies, you don't realise how much work, how complicated it is to do that. So eventually we came to the idea that we'd set up this company and we thought commercial type sounds like a good name. We could get the web address, more importantly. But also I think Schwartz and Barnes sounds like a dubious pair of lawyers or something, you know. Uh, and so we set up commercial type and, and it's we didn't really have much kind of expectation. And we were doing a few custom fonts but we're also doing kind of building up a retail business and gradually you know just strangely or surprisingly it, it's kind of taken off and so we do retail fonts as well neither we like doing both because it's nice to have a client because one mm. of the nice things about working with you guys is actually getting some feedback you know it's, it, you can make a typeface by yourself but mm. Unless you have someone saying, well, could you make it bolder? Could you make it lighter? Could you make it white? All these things. It, it sometimes, you know, it's like any creative process. You sometimes miss out on something. So it's great to have, you know, clients who are saying things to us about how, what about doing this? And we like the variety because I, I enjoy working with Rafa, who, you know, and you do this thing. But I enjoyed working with The Guardian, who are quite different or, you know, we did some numbers for Puma a few years ago for mm -hmm. the World Cup. And, it's you know, it's nice to have lots of different clients and, you know, work for banks or, or, or any company you want to font will work for. I'm interested because obviously as a designer myself, not of fonts, but as a graphic designer, I think when we have conversations about making changes to a brand font or discussing how it could help Rafa or help the creative team at Rafa, it's a fairly easy thing for me to understand and, and you know, I believe in it. I, I wonder when you work with other companies, maybe did you always work with a creative there or how do you persuade a big company, maybe if you're working with sort of non-designers, that a font is going to help their company? I mean, a, a huge amount of it is often, we have to be, have to be honest about licensing and about what you can do with a license so when you have a custom font you might want it specifically for a certain reason so a clothing company might might want it so they can distribute it to all the people manufacturers around the world or so you know lots of clients want a specific 
license you know tailored to their business and 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 what you're trying to do is give them what they need because if they buy something off the shelf from some of these companies it's quite complicated mm-hmm. so you've got those kind of licensing things but but also there's sometimes it's technical issues like we've using these fonts but they don't work well on screen so we kind of deal with those issues often that sometimes the kind of traditional way we talk about things like aesthetics is quite a long way down the the list of important things but sometimes it's very important so when we work for magazines we do lots of different magazines so we did typefaces for Vanity Fair a few years ago the way it looks is really important you know and you know conversations about these small details but they're very aesthetic like well what does the what does the the serif look like what does the contrast between the the thick and the thins and you have these quite detailed conversations about them but yeah sometimes you're talking mm. to people who it's more a financial decision and and things like that but it, you know that's i think what's interesting about it is like you are dealing with a a huge wide variety of clients with with different needs quite small ones to to huge corporations and do you work with christian collaborating on 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 the design of a font or are you separate indif- separate you know it's a long way away isn't it well, well i mean this is a kind of a classic relationship based entirely on on the wonders of modern communication so christian and i probably talk two or three times a week and we both visit each other three or four times a year but you know we do we did a variety of projects where I might be working with Christian quite a lot. We've also got we've got designers, we've got Greg and Tim and Miguel, and I might be working with them or other outside collaborators. But sometimes I think, you know, like in any design, you can be doing 99% of the work, but there's someone who comes in who is, I use the, the term art director, who comes in and just gives you a couple of comments and you go, oh God, I couldn't have seen that. You know, so it's what I think's, Christian and, and, and my relationship's always been been great because basically I trust 100% what he says. So if he mm. says it's rubbish, it tends to be rubbish. I mean, there is a perverse streak in me which when he says it's rubbish, I work even more on that particular idea. But, you know, so he, he, he comes in and we were talking yesterday about the fonts we're doing and you know, he's just got some very sensible, mm. articulate kind of points about well, why don't you make it a little bit wider... Mm-hmm. you know make it you know oh god it looks so much better now and it's nice to have that so we we work on projects on lots of levels but you know obviously as you get bigger you've got loads it's not just one project you're working on at a time there's a few always in the works and stuff we started this conversation a few years ago with when i started talking to alton about it and it was one of the the things about rafa is really you don't need to do very much mm. with the brand it's not a rethink it's it's tinkering with things, improving things. Obviously, as you've grown as a company, you've started doing lots of different things. You know, you see, you have Rafa Travel, you have the Cycling Club, and your original suite of fonts, which was quite minimal. Mm. You know, you've needed to expand, and you've also realised, I think, you know, we've realised the limitations of, say, yeah. the Caslon you were using that was originally designed just for for text but you want to use it for headlines and it's not as economical as you like it so i mean a lot of the things we've kind of been working on have just been improving what we yeah what you do but with a new kind of set of fonts which i don't think will people probably notice will they well it's almost part of the brief isn't it we've sort of come to a conclusion after many conversations and with 
other friends that are in the industry that what I, you know, have inherited in terms of the the brand identity, the fonts is sort of really robust and has got us a long, long way. And it's exactly as you you point out, as the business gets a bit bigger and needs to communicate to a slightly diverse group of customers that you kind of need to articulate things in a subtly different way and fonts become a really powerful way to try and flex and just subtly shift the kind of brand's voice. I think I've really been wrestling with how I kind of internally sort of sell the project and um, I've, I always try and boil things down to a cycling related angle because that's a very easy thing to do and essentially I think the project that we're working on now it's not a case of getting a new bike for Rafa it's that we've kind of inherited a bike with one gear at the back a single kind of speed and we're just adding a few yeah, more sure. gears to the cassette at the back of the bike so it's not a totally new thing it's just some additional weights and some you know, maybe some new bar tape yeah you know just just a <laughs> little bit nice. of finesse to something that already works well and and we don't want to move away from it so i think yes to your point i think if somebody logs on to the site when we refresh our fonts or walks into the store and not necessarily expecting people to go oh my god that's a new font it's maybe for the two percent the three percent five percent maybe of our customers that that may notice that the length of a descender is slightly increased i don't know um, um i mean i think also when when you started that you were commu- you communicate with print and you communicate on screen but the screens that you were communicating with it started to really change mm. in the sense of it was basically computer-based now you've got all these other devices how the fonts work on those things and you know ipads iphones hmm. people your retail experience is it on a computer now well sometimes it is sometimes it's on an iphone and how do fonts work on that and so there's this kind of i guess we kind of call it the black magic of of making the same stuff just work better seem yeah. more legible more efficient you know so we've talked about the number of words we could get on a page with one the old old fonts and then we can get more on now but that means we can actually use that greater space we've gained for other purposes or whatever it be so it's there's quite a lot of technical yeah stuff in this as well you know also how it prints on labels and all kinds of things and just yeah making better even better hopefully yeah that was part of the brief as well wasn't it sure That was Rafa Art Director Jack Saunders and Commercial Type co-founder Paul Barnes. This has been Thought Starters, recorded at the pod at White City Place. Thought Starters is a Dienico project for White City Place, produced by David Michon, recorded and edited by Claire Urban. To find out how you can record your own podcast at White City Place, find us at whitecityplace.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at White City Place. And subscribe to Thought Starters on iTunes, Acast, and Stitcher. Give us a rating and write us a comment. It really helps. We'll see you next time. Thought Starters.